You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 203. Why do I say 203? You're listening to episode 203 of PHP Ugly. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me, as always, are my two friends, John Congdon. You wasted no time, went right into it. And Hi. Thomas Rideout. I'm, I'm Thomas. And I use the word friends very loosely, obviously. <laughs> What are you guys doing? You are mean. Shopping on Amazon. What are you getting? Make making Jeff Bezos richer. Richer. Two hundred uh, billion dollars. He's yes. the two hundred billion dollar man right now. I had not heard that. I was just being like saying it in general, not realizing there was a story behind that. First man <laughs> yes, in history. Uh, yesterday. First individual in history to reach that that monument or whatever you would call it. Yes, and in celebration, some protesters set up a guillotine outside his house. Yeah, I didn't get that. What was the point of that? The French Revolution. Okay, but he's not... Yeah, I'm not getting it either. <laughs> I mean... Sorry, I, I'm dumb. I don't know what it's all about. Yeah, I, I, I don't... I, I understand people are upset by it, and they're upset with the way he... the Some of the ways that Amazon employees are treated, and... It's a big company, and I get I get all that. And he has an obscene amount of money, and I I get that. But I don't know. I'm, you know, somebody's somebody's gonna have a lot of money. <laughs> mm. Thomas, not always. You, you seem like you want to say something about it, but you're you're not. So I appreciate it. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know why it's that big of a big of a story. Maybe maybe it's a bigger story than I know. I I just don't. I don't care. Just because is we are we are in an unprecedented era of of financial inequality in America, and we've also produced the richest man in history. I, I get I get that. I, I see I see the irony there, and and the oddest thing about it is that richest man in history is at odds with the president of the United States, who considers himself one of the richest people in the world. So I think that's kind of funny because. Trump hates Bezos, hates Amazon. Are they? Oh, they, oh yeah. Oh, they, he can't For stay. Sure. He, what, one of the reasons why he's trying to break the post office is because he thinks Amazon gets too good of a deal using the post office. It's Yeah, he's pissed. So, you know what? The more successful he gets, I just hope he gets under Trump's skin a little bit more. So I'm kind of rooting for yes. the guy, to be honest with you. <laughs> well... He doesn't care. <laughs> no, he doesn't. It, he really it doesn't. makes you feel any better. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm waiting for him to buy California and just you know just kick everybody out of the state because uh, he's like, it. keep it for himself. Trump would that sell works. it to him too. I'm sure of it. Okay, how's everybody doing? <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Doing good. Keeping yeah. very busy. Uh, working my way back to an old project that I finished up a few months ago. Uh, How's that old? That's only a few months. <laughs> well, we don't all have pull requests that last years. <laughs> Ouch! Okay. That was good. Oh, I've got a, I've got a story there. Go ahead. 
Uh, we're migrating a lot of stuff to uh, the WebP image format. Oh, cool. And, uh, you know, trying to save some money by having the size of all of our images on our site, which, you know, numbers in the hundreds, if not millions. The hundreds of thousands, if not millions. <laughs> I was going to say. I, I understand that that is a big range. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, but the the interesting thing about that is is because we have so many images and they're generated dynamically when a, a, an instance is created, we have to reprocess everything from scratch, which is going to take a long, long, long time. Hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I'll, it's not like you're you can you have to wait for that to finish in order to start serving the ones you've already created. Well, even even better than that is I'll be on vacation while it's running this generation for two weeks, so <laughs> I won't even have to worry about monitoring it or worrying about it. Did you just come back from vacation? Weren't you just on vacation? No. Oh. No, I haven't taken vacation since, like, Christmas last year. Okay. <laughs> Which is a thing I keep forgetting to do. He, he, no, he talked about it last week about going on vacation soon. Oh, okay. Yes. Right. I thought it was next week. It turns out it is not. It's it's a week from then. So okay. I was really excited on Wednesday that I only had two days left of work. And it was a <laughs> Get crushing, another week to go. <laughs> crushing fall from grace. But you're not uh, going anywhere. So what's the matter if it's next week or the following week? Vacation. <laughs> I get to sleep in. Do you have to request, like, in advance, some, hey, I want to take this week off? Or do you have something planned with the wife where she's taking time off at the same time? No, we wouldn't do that. We want to have, like, a nice vacation. <laughs> if if we're both not working for a two-week period of time and the kids are going to school, we would go insane. Are you, are you kids physically going to school? Funny story. Okay. Um, so my kids Simple had yes or no, but okay. <laughs> uh, my, my, my kids had a, a check-in day where they got their IDs done and they got their curricula stuff from their teachers. And so the whole thing was paced out over the period of a week so that not all the kids were in the school at once. Makes um, sense. but my youngest, my youngest goes to a much smaller, what you would guys would consider a magnet school. Um, and they had a new student's day, which was Monday, and a returning student's day, which was Tuesday. And the, somebody from the Monday crew tested positive or is symptomatic. And so they have decided not to do any kind of in-school stuff for the next couple months now. <sighs> Even though he, he was going to have like one day a week in school, but now the whole thing is shut down again. Mm. Um, and... Another school in this district uh, is shutting down after less than a week of being open for the same reason. Uh, and my wife is still going to school every day because she works with the special needs program. Right. Uh, and they are kids who can't do distance learning. They have uh, communications issues. They have behavioral issues. Um, they have physical issues. So... Uh, she has to be there to be with them, but she also has to get them to wear face masks and face shields, mm -hmm. which if you've ever worked with autistic children, doesn't 
seem like the most fun thing to try and get a child to do. Mm-hmm. And so she's having fun with that. It's a struggle. <laughs> uh, but now, my now kids, is fun in quotes, or is fun <laughs> like she's really having fun with it? She is. She is one of those people who is honored to be able to work with these these children. So she is frustrated and exhausted, but she loves the kids that she works with. Oh. So what, it is. What about your kids, it, John? What What's the plan there? Oh, virtual. Oh, okay. It was, so throughout the summer, as they were trying to figure out what they were going to do, they were giving people the option of virtual or in school if it's available. Mm-hmm. We are lucky enough to be in a position where we can do virtual. You know, my wife stays at home with the kids. So we made that decision early on, and then the school said, we're sick of flip-flopping, going back and forth. Poway Unified said, we're going strict virtual right. at least until January. That's right. I, f- I, think I they forget back- that's considered Poway Unified. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I, I think they backed down from that, so it's not necessarily till January at this point. But it's still going to be virtual for the time being. Cool. So yeah, it's 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 a mess. It's really all up in the air for all the parents and the teachers. You know, my wife, like I said, is getting updates every day on whether or not she's going to be going to school tomorrow, or if they're going to have to close down because something happened within the staff. Or mm-hmm. it's it's a mess. And not to get political here. Hard not to, but give it a shot. But I'm, but I'm gonna. <laughs> there are a lot of pictures going around on the internet of kids sitting outside of restaurants, on laptops, getting free Wi-Fi because they just don't have internet at home. And this is the other the thing. only option they have for education is now this online learning stuff. And it, we are at a point now where we have to declare internet access a public utility. It's I, I we are too far into it. I, I agree. And, I mean, y- you have kids that uh, that ha- still have to go to school to get meals. I mean, you think those kids have right. internet access at home? No, they, they don't. So, yeah. And, and I'm all for the praise that, that musicians and, and, you know, rappers and movie stars and TV stars are getting for showing up in communities and giving food out. Mm-hmm. But there's something fundamentally wrong in society when – we're relying on the the good deeds of Keanu Reeves or 50 Cent to supply these malnourished children. Yeah. It's it's really it's really ugly out there. Mm-hmm. All right, John. So John and I were just talking before the show started. I don't think we've spoken to each other since the last show. Like this might have been the first time yeah. in about five years we've gone a week without speaking to each other. Was he giving you the silent treatment? Did you do something? That's the funny thing about it. No, he, when we're mad at each other, we tend to talk to each other more than when we're not <laughs> mad at each other. No, I, Friday you went to Arizona, right? So you were out Friday. Oh, that's right. That was last week. Saturday, Sunday. Monday and Tuesday, I was on very, very long planning meetings for um, Phone Burners Project. So I was on the phone for over eight hours for two days straight. Um, and then just trying to get work done. It's just been a busy, busy week mm-hmm. between, between the planning meetings and other phone calls. 
and then personal family issues. It's just been a long week. So, so, so no coding, just planning a whole week of planning, or did you do anything? No, no. There's been there's been coding. There's been frustrations, beating myself up over it. I've vented with a couple people, like just you know, there's one area of the code base where there's a JavaScript file that is over 2,000 lines long. Mm-hmm. And you get in there to, to make a change or do something and misunderstand some requirements. I'm like, oh, I'm going to make this better. And then you end up breaking things <laughs> and you get the back and forth on the PR and, hey, this isn't working or this doesn't work the way the other one does. And I'm like, well, that's the point. It's not supposed to work like that. Well, why not? I'm like, because it, we are doing something new. And then I go to try and find the task, and I realize, well, crap, I misunderstood what the goal of this whole damn thing was. Mm-hmm. So just a super long week, super frustrating. Like I said, I was venting with people saying, almost wanting to throw my hands in the air. Like, I quit. Like, I, I don't want to deal with this part of the code. There's too many issues. You know, after venting, I felt better. <laughs> Sometimes it's nice just to just to say I quit. <laughs> Do you vent to your wife? Does she have the the capacity to to hear it out? All the time. I feel bad for her. (laughs) (laughs) No, she's she's really good about listening and and understanding and trying to give advice of, you know, well, did you think about it from this perspective? I'm like, damn you, stay out of this. (laughs) Yes, quit it with your logic. (laughs) Stop trying to think about other people for a minute. Think about me. Can't you see? Yeah, I've been she's, paying. she's really good about it. Yeah, I've been in. Uh, How about you? Eric? I've been in refactoring hell this week as well. I um, I I took on a refactoring task for a client, and I knew I knew it was going to be a big one because it, it's like the core of the application and, and how they charge for the application and all where. It was a. It sounds so simple when I say it out loud. It was a uh, one-to-many relationship. Now it's a many-to-many relationship. So now there's a pivot table involved, and depending on but there's, you know, but but it's fully unit tested, so it's easy, right? Yeah. An easy refactor. You know, I'll I'll put it to you like this: none of the tests are failing yet. <laughs> So there, there's just uh, just rabbit hole after rabbit hole right now of of just just kind of just following the code and saying okay you know where where do I have to go now and yes you're absolutely right if if this is a is a case study of where having tests in place would definitely help it it would not it would not make it any easier because you still have to figure out the code and figure out the logic and but it would make when I'm done with it, make me feel a lot more comfortable that I've covered all the all the uh, use cases. Right now, I'm I'm just following the code, so I'm I'm just I'm just seeing where the code leads me and, and, and you know finding where things break. But you know, yeah. What I was going to say is, with unit tests in place, normally when you change, usually that endpoint, the the database connection and the data that gets returned, or the service that consumes the database layer all your other tests would break now you know what you have to go fix yeah that's that's one good good aspect of having the unit tests in places you change something 
everything kind of related to that should break so you know what you have to go fix later in a refactor like that. Yeah. So that's what I mean. I, I've I've been on this one task now for the last week since since Monday, and it's just like I don't feel any closer to being done. Although I know I am, it's just, uh, it's just I just wish I hadn't taken the task now. But it's fun. It is what it is, you know. But uh, today was Laracon. Did either of you guys? Or wait, yesterday was Laracon. Yesterday was Laracon. Do either of you guys uh, check uh, check was in? Was it on? yesterday? It was yesterday. I dropped in on it. You did. I think the the videos yeah. just came out. Like literally, like I think I got an email an hour or so ago. I I only I never checked my email, so it it could have come in this morning. I don't know. Uh, no, it was it was just a couple hours ago. I've watched uh, a couple of them so far. Oh, have you? That I missed out when I yeah. I was mostly interested in the machine learning um, talk. So I missed that one. I, I actually missed um, a good chunk of it. I I I, I kind of popped in on Taylor's about halfway through, and then I watched a couple of others. The machine learning one I, I did miss, and I had an opportunity to see it, but I, I got busy with something else. Uh, how was that? Um, not the greatest. Okay. Uh, not worth watching. I, I don't know. I, I wish I had seen a lot more code and a lot more concept. Um, I, it was really just an introduction to a library that the the presenter had written to unify the big three machine learning um, systems. Yeah. Yeah, platforms. So <clears throat> it wasn't an in-depth thing into implementing machine learning. Um, but it did give me some, it did definitely give me some good ideas about where machine learning fits into my use case. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and where it's somewhat trivial to drop it in for small things that, mm. that I had thought of. So we're, we're it was, it was, as inspiration, it was at least worth worth watching. Um, if you if you're listening to the podcast, you don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about Laracon, which is the conference for the Laravel framework. Typically, this is a, a physical conference that you go to. Uh, the, there there was a Laracon online conference for the last couple of years. This is not that, or was originally not that. Uh, this was the this year was supposed to be in Atlanta. It was supposed to be at an aquarium. I mean, they're they're fun conferences. It's a fun conference to go to. Um, obviously, because of COVID, they went online. And I, I got to be honest, this was the one. Like I, I've done the Laracon online one before, and my expectations for that the bar is pr- set pretty low. I just kind of you know it's cheap. I enjoy it and. They lowered the price for this Laracon because it was also online. Matter of fact, it was ran by the same people who run Laracon online. But I got to be honest, like, not going, this one was like, I don't know. It's like, all right, yeah, another online conference. It's a, it's a glorified meetup, blah, blah. I don't know. I felt this like I look forward to going to Laracon. It was it was twenty five dollars. I look, too. it wasn't yeah like exactly. I look forward to going to Laracon. There are people I only see once a year. It's at Laracon I see them. My Canadian buddies, a couple other friends, TJ, um, a few other people. Me. It's it's the only time I physically see them. 
And you know, not having that this year and just having it be online after I've already done an online one, I've done a couple of pretty nice meetups as well. It's like, okay, well, yeah, this is cool, I guess. But, you know. but it, Well, I, it's, a lot of it was, here's my new package I wrote. And sort of presenting it to the world, and that's what I'm getting um, tired of. I, I, you know, this was this was one of my criticisms about the conference as well. It's it's not only it, it's fine if it comes from Taylor because this is his framework, and everybody's interested in what Taylor's working on. But it's always the same people just presenting a package and saying, "Okay, here's what I did last year." And, it's like, I don't care anymore. I just don't care. I, I appreciate everything you're doing, but give me something else to, to, to watch or talk about or, I don't know. I, that's where... I, I, yeah. That, that was my problem with, with even the in-person. The in-person I got more out of the relationships like you talked about. Seeing people in the community, friends, people you only see once or twice a year. But the conference itself was, granted, I've only been once. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, hearing people how to, how they start their business around Laravel or the package they wrote wasn't all that to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This presentation was, was Freak Vanderhurten presenting his multi-tenancy package, which has such a narrow scope. Um, we've talked about it in the past on the podcast when he first announced it and we didn't understand what it was. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, it, it's worth the $25. The talks are 30 minutes long. They run through some good stuff. I mean, just well, Adam Wathen's uh, talk about building components with Tailwind is worth $25 if you're going to use Tailwind because it's just a little rundown of how he perceives the usage of, ta- of Tailwinds. But it's better than it, the docs. But the... That that's another thing. It's like he always has this. Well, this is how I'm doing things now. Talks, and it's like, okay, but is that really the best way to do it? I mean, I understand that's how you do. I remember he had this whole he had a whole talk on collection chaining once. I'm like, okay, that that looks cool, but is that really good? I don't think it is. And, and that's the well, other. I- that was the other challenge with this conference because again, when it's in person, it's typically on the East Coast, but you travel to it. They this one they still keep East Coast hours, so I think they start at like nine a.m., which is six a.m. for us. So like by the time we get up, get online, you know, you've missed two or three hours of the conference already. But fortunately, I, it, you have all the all the videos. I, I take it though that you did watch Caleb Porzio's presentation. You know, I did. You know, I'm a fan. <laughs> so the reason oh, I, I heard didn't, all about that, Caleb, Livewire baby. The reason, the reason I didn't start with his presentation when I got the the email that the videos were released was because I knew I could depend on you to just give me the the rundown and I can roll my eyes while you do it. So what did he say? I actually not a whole lot. He he there he's releasing LiveWire 2. There are a couple of improvements to it, but you know, it was the same you know, it was the same LiveWire pitch that that he's been doing in, in all the the greatness about it. Um you know, I, I still would like. We we were we were we were complaining uh, last week or a couple weeks ago about them want somebody proposing a PR to have Pest included in Laravel. 
and how, you know, why do that? It's already a package, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of how I feel about Livewire. It's like Livewire needs to be in the core of Laravel. Like, yeah, it's great that it's a package, but why wouldn't you have that there? I, I, uh, I, I have, we have a, so we have Argus going. Um, Argus is getting, getting its feet under it and it's picking up some steam and we're, we're very happy. Um, because of how we were looking at implementing it, we were on the fence on whether or not we were even going to offer this to the public, right? So we, we still don't have like a billing section done for it. So we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to get the billings kind of ironed out if we actually do offer this to the public. Um, and if you missed it last week, I mentioned that we do have a wait list now for Argus. Uh, so if you want to go sign up for early access, we'll give it to you. We won't charge you until, you know, we have some billing what? in place, but it's, you know, <laughs> okay. It's maybe early we'll bird all over again. <laughs> but, uh, so Argus is going, I'm happy with it. Um, it's very simple. It's very minimal. It does what it needs to do. I have some ideas on what I wanted to do next, but I'm super excited about the next project we're looking at spinning up. And after watching the talks, uh, uh, Taylor's talks specifically on Laravel eight, I kind of already kind of put the brakes on it and say, okay, let's let's wait for another week or two for Laravel, Laravel eight to come out, and we'll just start this new project on that. So I um. I'm excited. I'm excited about the project. Yeah. I we got to get something going before we talk about it, but it's it's going to be fun. It's actually going to be a fun one. It's not a geeky one. I mean, it's geeky for us because we're coding it, but it's going to be something like anybody can use. And I'm actually very excited. And I got to get I got to give Eric a lot of credit because the concept was pretty easy. I threw up very minimal information into github and then the way eric took that and turned it into tasks for developers and the way he kind of wrote it up really impressed me <laughs> thank really you good. thank you buddy so what did you see in laravel 8 that that interests you um it wasn't laravel 7 <laughs> <laughs> so 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 there, there there were a couple things uh so with laravel 8 he um Taylor also announced uh what do you call it jetstream um which is will be a I think it was another package I, I don't think it's there by default. Did you watch Taylor's talk? Is that the name of his Ferrari? No. It wasn't it wasn't jetstream, was it? Jetstream uses Laravel Fortify. Fortify. Wow. That was it. That's that's cool that you even knew that. Yeah. Well, but I happened to see it on Jetstream. Jetstream was the package that that interests me a lot because um, it's it's again it it just it just uh, it's adding functionality to the uh, authentication process. So where um, you know there's an auth package in Laravel now, as we all anybody who spun up a Laravel package uh, app knows. Um, this kind of takes it a step further. Um, my understanding of it, and again, I didn't catch Taylor's whole talk, so I, I missed bits and pieces of it, but I thought he said that they basically were pulling out all the stuff from Spark that wasn't like, um, like all the front end stuff for Spark and adding it to this package. So the package now has like, 
Well, the package has the ability for to create a user, as always. That user has a profile that they can now edit. So tip before, you had to go create your own profile page for users to edit. There's another package you can add on to it for Teams. So you don't have to go through that. that that's actually something we do actually very frequently where we have to create teams because, you know, typically the apps we develop are, are the, has this concept of teams. So this, this has a package for that. It has a two factor authentication built into it, which I guess wasn't that hard to implement in Laravel. Uh, my buddy Matt was saying, yeah, that's like a, you know, that's a very easy thing to implement. Um, it, yes, it is. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so that that all that all kind of looked cool, but I don't know. I mean, it's just it's new. It's it's pretty. It, uh, it oh, so Jetstream uses LiveWire. I, I think it was uh, Jetstream that used LiveWire. So that was but, cool. But to go back to Answer's question is, you're waiting for Laravel eight, so you don't have to go through the upgrade process from seven to eight in mm-hmm. two weeks. Yeah, kind of pointless to build now and have to upgrade. Right although. Away. Thomas, did you watch Taylor's talk? I haven't watched it yet. Okay, so I I didn't actually hear a lot of backwards breaking changes. Uh, everything so there's there's even That's like the, a, there's everything a new... I've seen so far says forward compatibility. Um, he added oh. uh, the app models directory, right? And that's he did it in a way that is backward compatible. So the generators and everything still work correctly they just know where to look now um, right so basically if, if you don't want the models directory you delete it and it falls back to the app directory so, right so, and even like uh like factory's got a big rework um but if you want to continue using what's now being called the legacy way of doing factories there's a there's a package you can add like like if you're upgrading a seven to eight um app you can add a legacy factories package and not even have to rework your factory scene anymore they'll just continue to run so i i, I again I, I keep saying i didn't watch the whole thing but i i can't remember anything that he said that was a backwards breaking change as of yet um so the the minimum version for php is the the backward breaking change that he's currently acknowledging um the What's upgrade the guide for eight is still not fleshed out, but it does mention that PHP 7.3 is the minimum now. I don't know. Wow. Pushing it forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, if, it, if it were I me, I wouldn't... That. That, that's awesome. Keeping people on their toes to upgrade their OS, their PHP version, as well as their library, or their... Yeah. You know, one thing, library. I, one thing I did catch... Was uh, so he was he was demonstrating cues and uh, a couple of changes they made to cues, which I I, I want to get back to. Uh, but he showed the uh, so he was using a database queue uh, database for his queue manager um, so that he could show that the jobs are queuing up and stuff like that. And the one thing I noticed is that the ID of the of the jobs on the jobs table was a UUID. Uh, it wasn't... And, and currently today, because we use database in a couple of environments, it's not. It's an init. Um, so... Actually, that's a big int. 
Yeah, it's a big. That yeah. that is that is a change that that happened on the framework in seven in the seven era. Well, will Big Int do UUIDs? It, no. it won't. Right, right. So the fact that it was a UUID, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, well, that's interesting. I I wonder if uh, I wonder if UUIDs will just become something easier to implement uh, now. Um, because I mean, I, I have a package out there for implementing UUIDs because we use them all over the place. But if he's already implement, if he already has some sort of UUID solution for jobs, it would be nice to just say, yeah, always you use the UUIDs. So, so, so is that the case? Did, did you? Find I, that I don't out, know. That I, not- I, I, that's not something he talked about. It's just something I noticed, and he, I do think that there was one part that he showed another table. It might've been the user table where I noticed there wasn't a UUID. So I don't know. I I just noticed it on the jobs table. I'm like, Oh, that would be very nice if he made doing UUIDs easier. And he obviously has implemented something because he's using them. So I don't know what that is, but yeah, you mentioned cues and I've been dealing with those a lot this week. And Somebody mentioned that the, the way Laravel does jobs and queuing, and the problem is with my solution, it was homegrown years ago, mm-hmm. and we're using using Beanstalk D to store job data. But the way I did it, you know, you, you start with one queue or one tube, mm-hmm. and then over time you're like, oh, I'm going to do this new thing, and you add another tube, and then you start realizing, oh, the jobs are conflicting. So the what I ended up doing was basically having workers that only listen to a single tube, a single mm-hmm. queue, for example. Here it is five, six years later, and now we have 30-some queues. And we use Supervisor D to kind of spread out that load of saying, okay, this is a, a, a mission-critical queue. We can't let it get backed up. We're going to put four processes on there. This one's lower priority. We're going to put one or two <laughs> processes on there. This one gets may get, you know, hundreds of thousands of jobs queued up very quickly. So we're going to have eight or ten listening there. But when the queues are empty, those processes are just sitting around doing absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And I, this is the only time I've ever used queues in my life. I haven't used Laravel's queues, so. The fact that so, it was homegrown was nice. Horizon, get- Horizon has this idea of floating processes. So you have to have one process per named queue, but you can spawn 30 total processes if you have 10 queues, and it's supposed to manage itself. Mm-hmm. In my experience, it doesn't, and I get the feeling that there is a, a comp sci person out there who could look at the code and just go, Oh yeah, right there. You uh, you don't have logic for determining long-term execution on blah 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 blah. You know, there, there's someone out there smarter than me who's who knows exactly what's going on there. But I just look at it and I'm like, there's five thousand items in one of my queues, and I've got fifteen queues idle. Why aren't they doing something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with with what I've built, the homegrown solution, we I manually listen to a single. Tube like the supervisor uh, job says, listen to tube X. Now, 
it's very easy to say, no, listen to multiple, listen to all. Mm-hmm. So we finally decided today, why don't we try backing that down, changing that, that whole thing up, listen to all of the, the cues at one time, because the data in the queue says you need to run this code. You need mm-hmm. to call this controller, for lack of a better term. Finish the job and you're done. What the nice part about that is it's going to all of these queues that have absolutely no jobs or one or two jobs in a month, those processes are now going to be free to work on other jobs that are sitting there waiting to be done. So I'm excited about it. I'm hoping that it passes. This was not approved by management before <laughs> uh, before opening the PR. So I'm hoping that they look at it like, oh, it's a good idea. In a couple of years. Couple years. Uh, oh, I I did. Uh, you had some Q stuff, and then we'll get. I have another story. Yeah, I did. I did have. Let me wrap up a few things here. So, um, so Taylor did introduce in Laravel eight um, a ba- I think he called it batching a batching process of Q. So you can actually batch queues, and that batch can run. And what's cool about it is. As the batch is working through through all the, all the jobs in it, it gives you a status of how far it is. So you you actually get a feedback from from that batch job of, hey, I'm twenty percent done. I'm fifty percent done. I'm seventy percent done. Hey, I'm done. Um, that was kind of cool. Uh, but Taylor, so so is that how? I want to stand that for a second. Are you saying if? In a web request, I say, hey, go start this job. Mm-hmm. Am I waiting for that? Or are you talking about there's some other way to get that data afterwards? Uh, you put me on the spot. I, I don't know a good case, a use case of it. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, I th- Oh, I, th- I, th- I think I've got the answer if you want to know it. Okay. Well, you know me. When you create the batch job, you get a batch ID. Mm-hmm. And then you can query the bus, say, hey, find this batch, and then get information on it. And how far it is. your front end could be polling, or you could use server sent events where something is watching that and updating your UI for you. Yeah, there you go. We we have that one client where we're queuing stuff up, and they they have to come back, and it'll say, oh, yeah, your documents are ready. Well, now they can come back and see... Their document is you know fifty percent completed, sixty percent completed. So it's that would be kind of we we yeah have a use case of that for that now. Um, the yeah. one thing I wanted to ask you guys about because Taylor used a term that I wasn't familiar with, and then when I went to look into it, you know I saw I think I saw what it was he was referring to, but I I've never used it before, and I don't know why I haven't used it because it seems to make sense. But he's so he has. Um, I forget where he was talking about. I think he was talking about this new uh, queuable um, trait for <clears throat> for like anonymous functions or something. Like like before, you couldn't queue up an anonymous function, but now he has this uh, new queuable uh, method you can call on it. But he, he called it a namespaced function, and basically what he's doing is at the top where you, where you have your use, 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 and you have your path. This one is a use function path to the function. And the best I can tell is that's just 
importing. I, I, I don't know why he called it namespaced function, or if that's something I'm just not familiar with, but I was wondering if you guys had heard of this or not. And have you ever used, you know, namespace import or function importing in namespace, which, again, I haven't, and I'm looking at this. I'm like, I don't know why I don't use this. It seems to make sense. It sounds familiar, but I think it's new, but I'm not sure on that. Oh, HP5. Yeah, it's not new. You can wrap a function within a namespace. Right. And that's just that's just so, that's just referred to as importing, though, right? That's not a namespace. Well, so, no, because it is an it's an attribute of the namespace aliasing slash importing functionality. So it's like a you have an anonymous function, but then you give it a name, so it's not anonymous anymore. Hmm. All right. It's not something I've, I've used. It looks like it looks like it'd be useful. I, I just haven't used it. Hmm. I haven't used it like that, but I've had to alias namespaces before for uh, uh, packages that conflicted in the namespace. But that's just uh, yeah. I, I've used alias before. Uh, that, that's that's something different though. That's not you're not importing a a function. I, no, but you can a names you can. So you do a namespace with a a normal namespace t- tag, and mm-hmm. then you use your opening and closing braces and then put a function in there so that when you call it, you have to call it with the namespace slash function name. Mm. As far as an anonymous namespace function, that I don't know. I've never heard of that. I would like to see that. Yeah. So just just another one of those things. It, it wasn't a topic of discussion. It's just one of these things he mentioned and I, I wasn't familiar, so I had to go kind of figure it out. But, yeah, the only other thing that was cool, or not cool, uh, that I kind of look forward to, but then kind of not, is he talked about the new, um, shit, what do you call it? Uh, I, think he called, I think it was called SQL Dump. No, that's not SQL Dump, right? Yeah, yeah, SQL Dump, that's what he called it. Which is, you run SQL Dump on your your database, and it just basically takes all your schemas and puts it into one file so you can you no longer oh, need all the migrations mi- anymore. Yeah, migration merging. Right, right. I, I think the artisan command, I, I want to say it's called schema dump is what, is what it's called. Now, the weird thing about that, well, the weird and good thing about it is that it, so it puts it all in one, one big file. It's raw SQL, so it would address our issue that we're having at DigitalOcean. Um, and, of course, you know, right now he's saying that uh, it only supports uh, MySQL, Postgres, and um, uh, I want to say there was a third. Uh, MySQL and Postgres are obviously the two we'd be worried about. MySQL really is the only one. My, but my only question was, but if you run that, if you run that schema dump, you're you're still held to whatever data store that that the dump was run on. So if you want to migrate from MySQL to Postgres, you, I don't think you can do it with the SQL dump because I think the SQL yeah. dump would be specific to MySQL. So because it, in his example, he's like, well, now you can just delete all these migrations. I'm like, well, hold on. You might not want to delete those migrations because you can still run the migrations against other data stores and you know, Eloquent will figure out the correct way to do that stuff. So I don't, 
And, and we've had cases where we've wanted to do this. I'm not a big fan of it. I don't understand what the problem is with running the migrations again. I get that there's a lot, but you don't look at them. Like, you just keep moving forward. I, I don't get it. But I understand there are developers that like it. And, and even Taylor said, you never do this in production. You would never run the SQL schema dump in production. Because production, that should be moving forward with migrations. This SQL schema dump was just something you did for your development environment. So when new developers came online, you know, they didn't have to run all these SQL statements. I'm like, it's not like they're running them by hand. They just run through them. I'm, I'm not a huge kind of, like, this is not something I felt was, a, you know, something that was needed. But so many developers want this. And I don't know. I, I just, uh, not a big deal. And even, so we might be doing it wrong, but... When we're doing migrations, if there's known data that we want in there, like if we have a, a state table and we want to say, okay, here, here are the different types of states, or we want to populate certain users in the user table, we do that in the migration. When you do the SQL, SQL dump, I don't think you're grabbing, I'm pretty sure you're not grabbing the data. I think you're just grabbing the schemas and really? that would be a problem. I, I don't know for sure. Again, he, he was blowing through all this stuff, but what he showed in, in he even, there's even a switch you can throw when you do the dump called dash dash prune that deletes the migrations for you. I'm like, but I don't want to delete the migrations, move them to an archived file because I have a feeling I'm going to need them again. But, uh, I still but, don't understand what this is getting you I, I, other than, your files in your migrations folder. So, how many migrations do you think I have in my folder? I, I, you know, I don't care, but three hundred. I mean, what's yeah, it very matter? Close. Three three hundred and sixty-five. But see, this is my point. What's That's it a matter? whole second. But you don't. Who cares? You're building a machine. Who cares if it's a whole second? You don't have. It's not like you have to keep going back through those files. Like, oh yeah, where did I add this column? You, you just keep moving the migrations forward. I, I don't understand. So there's a lot of migrations. Yes. You know what would be nice? Give, give me the ability to create a folder structure where I can have an archived folder in there so I can move, you know, just to keep the, the freshest migrations, you know, if, if that's what your problem is. But I don't know. I think, I, the, I think the problem here is boredom. Is I'm what? At, I'm at 314 in mine. Yeah, I, I honestly think the problem is boredom. Boredom? What do you mean? I think he, I think he, he needed to write something and was like, "Well, here's a thing <laughs> to write." You laugh, but I really, I really think a lot when, of this. A when lot you're of bored, the, when you're bored, you don't write code. You you do photo shoots <laughs> with fancy cars. <laughs> Boy, that didn't play out well on Twitter. <laughs> no. Let's not get political though. So, John, you had something you were going to talk about, pull request, and I kept interrupting you. No, it's fine. Uh, Thomas was talking about my my everlasting pull request, and this isn't an, an everlasting one, but it, it is annoying when you open a pull request that you've tested, and it sits there for a month, other things change, and then all of a sudden your pull request breaks. I mean, and then like, Will you please end-to-end -end test this? I'm like, 
I did end-to-end test this. Three months ago, when I created it. When I opened it, it was tested. We There were other decisions made. And so I vented about that and then realized, okay, there have been like three or four other pull requests that have been horrible or lots of errors. So this was just one more on top of that. <laughs> it's just like, like I said earlier, it's been a rough week. I, I, I literally Super try rough. to keep the longest running open pull request from John in one of our repos. Then I learned. Is this to, still there? No, you closed it. You dork. Oh, did I? Yeah. I, I just learned the, uh, I got to learn that John had closed it. I'm like, Damn it! That was not closed for a purpose. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember closing it. I think I had it up to like two years. I think my 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 site was hacked. <laughs> my my account was hacked. It wasn't me. I have an answer for you on what the uh, schema dump thing does. Did I have a question? Yes. Okay. Here now. <laughs> Tell me what, what it does runs, it do. It runs MySQL dump. Skip add drop table, skip add lock, skip comment, skip character set, TZ UTC, sets the host, the port, the username and password, and the database. Does it, so you get the data. You get the data? So it is, it looks like it. Actually, no. I that think would, you have to say you want the data. I said that, that could actually, that could actually, that could actually introduce a ton of issues. If you have sensitive data that you don't want with developers' machines. I, from what I understand, this gets the data. I don't think so. I'd be I'm surprised. reading it because because you think about it. If if it's geared for developers, all you're worried about are the schemas, and then you have factories to populate that. You don't want. So you think you don't want data. It also says skip set character set, which is not a good command to run on a dump. You said Especially it also says skip drop, right? Skip drop or something. Skip add drop table. Add drop table. That's not bad. That way, if you if you accidentally ran this in production, you're not going to blow away your tables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, still, I, the, it, it should it should be being brought into a fresh database. Mm-hmm. This is this is a this is a hundred and one line implementation of a a uh, frick package, a spotty package, hundred hundred and one line uh, abstract. So it's, it's already two hundred lines of code to run MySQL dump. That's not including the command. Yeah. I, I mean, I, again, I, I don't see a need for it. Feels like boredom. <laughs> wow, yeah, that, was, that was impressive. You wouldn't look that up, huh? You guys, you guys do better than I do with that. So, so yeah, that, that's, that's literally all the topics I had to talk about. We can, oh, we can wrap up the show now. It, yeah. You you have to say you don't want data. You get data by default unless you say I no data. Do get data. Yeah. So, so cur- the way the command currently is in master, it will give you your data as well. So you probably wouldn't run this on your production machine to to create the schema. You would always run it like outside of production. Yeah, which there is already a much better way of doing this. Um, it's called the who, MySQL dump command. No, yeah. guess who wrote it? His name is Spady. <laughs> well, that, a thing I, 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 I thought like that's what use. you were going to tell me. I, I thought you, you were going to tell me this is just a Spady package. And uh, there is a Spady package um, that that you can use to back up tables piece by piece and restore piece by piece 
with timestamps and whatever, however you want to name it, as like point versions. So you can have a point version of your database with your point version of your uh, testing data. Oh, so that as you move as you move forward, if you need to support an old version of your software, you've got point releases of your of your test database as well. Um, mm. Which I mean, yes, you can roll back to old versions and run your install system again, but having those point releases makes some QA tasks much nicer. So running thousand tests when you need to seed your state database and it takes three hours to seed. Mm-hmm. And so we were talking. We were talking earlier about it seemed like you know it was the same people releasing stuff, kind of along that same lines. Uh, uh, I don't want to say it because they're they're kind of a competitor, but uh, a a regular speaker oh. at Laricon uh, released a, a tool a tool called Takeout, which is again it, it was one of those things like why do we have this? Uh, it's designed it's not designed to replace um, Valet or or Homestead. It, it's meant to uh, kind of pair with it, and it's it's a Docker implementation. If if I understood what they were saying correctly, it's a Docker implementation that allows you to run like multiple versions of of you know like databases, for example, or, or Redis, or or you know whatever, on a per project you know basis. I'm like, there's already tools out there. First thing, it's Docker, so it's not that difficult. Uh, the people who create um, what's the what's the tool I use Ta- Table Plus. The people who do Table Plus have something out there called uh, DB Engine or DB Engine. I think it's what it's called, but there's no E, so it's DB N-G-I-N, which allows you to basically do the same thing. It allows you to create multiple like databases, different versions of databases. You can spin them up, spin them down, change the ports, blah blah blah. It also ties into Homebrew. It has a nice little UI. Um, it's Mac specific, but I, I think I think this version of Takeout was Mac specific as well. Although when I went to the when I went to the GitHub repo, it made references to Linux and stuff. And if it's just Docker, I don't see why it wouldn't be. Um, but I don't know. It was just another one of those tools. It's like, can I get like a technical talk of substance here instead of? You guys just telling us something to Thomas's point. Another tool you created because you're bored. It's like I, I don't care. <laughs> I did not say that. I, I don't care. You know, it's it, it's it, it's hard, to, especially when they're remote conferences. It's hard to get excited about this stuff anymore. It's just like give me some give me some texture. Give me something. Well, yeah. the The biggest problem with these remote conferences is that YouTube exists. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's nothing about the content of these conferences is is questionable. Uh, none of it is not advertiser friendly. Everyone who has written these packages has their presentation about the package up on YouTube already. I the point of the conference is kind of lost in doing mm-hmm. an online conference that just doesn't cover anything. I mean, even difficult. Even, even the live wire from Caleb, you know, at least he was talking about, okay, here's where I am at with this package. It's not, oh yeah, this is what else I did. Hey, I, I'm, I'm doing this now. 
You know, it's it's like this package is moving. So the same way Taylor is giving kind of a state of the union of Laravel, which is, you know, it's Laracon. It's supposed to. I, I'm actually more open to what Caleb did and basically do the same thing for his package in the ecosystem of Laravel. So, okay, here's where we were with Livewire. Here's what I've done. Here's where I'm going. And just all these other people coming in saying, oh, we decided to do this. And, oh, we did this. And next year we're going to do something completely different. And I don't care anymore. It's like, it just. And there's a big hitter out there who didn't get mentioned, which was Xdebug 3. Oh. Basically, basically rewritten from the ground up. It has a new uh, info panel page that you can hit. It has support for all of the new PHP stuff, all of the, the upcoming PHP 8 stuff, and is a fundamental tool in our, in our toolbox that's, like, for some reason, I just don't see it get coverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I've been all in. I, I told you I was doing that refactoring. I, I couldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for Xdebug. I mean, just stepping through, stepping in, just walking through this code with Xdebug is, yeah. Couldn't do it without it. Yeah, and now Laravel News, uh, Xdebug 3 did make it to Laravel News, but they're really just reporting on uh, Derek Rathen's talk at Scott PHP 19. Hmm. Um, but there's a lot of new stuff that needs to be understood and needs to be known by serious developers. Mm-hmm. As for not serious developers, did you guys hear about uh, WordPress? No. Why would you say not serious developers? But no, I haven't. <laughs> Well, we talked last week about the sort of unfolding situation with the Apple Store and the Epic Games Company and mm-hmm. Fortnite and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Apple actually ended up threatening to pull all of the dev keys for Epic Games, mm-hmm. which includes the Unreal 3 engine. Okay. Uh, which would have been a massive, massive blow to Apple. It would have been shooting themselves in their own foot. They've rolled back on that. So Epic is to keep its keys, but they still can't host Fortnite. And the issue is that Fortnite has an in-game currency that you can buy, but they want to buy they want to sell it themselves. They don't want to sell it through the App Store. They don't want to give Apple their their cut, right? Thirty percent. Right. Which the case was made before Apple implemented it implemented that 30%, developers were typically giving 70% to these uh, these channels that offered their software. Go ahead, in- inhale that vape pen and let me know your so, thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's not clear why, but Apple decided to pick a fight with WordPress. Okay. Um, WordPress has a, a free app that lets you manage some of your WordPress profile stuff, some of your things your, that you your get blogs, through. Everything. It's actually a nice app. I've used it before. Yeah. Um, but 
WordPress is also a company and sells services like selling domain names or hosting or that kind of thing. Even I think they even do. I think they have like an app app store like Apple where they do themes and plugins and stuff. They sell mm-hmm. those as well. So Apple sent them a uh, cease and desist and said, "Hey, if you're going to sell things through your app, you need to sell it through the app store." Oh, interesting. So I don't remember things being sold through the app uh, because it's just a web. It's just a web interface. It's just mm-hmm. it's services that that are provided by WordPress. I mean, it's I don't even if you're not buying tokens or V bucks, you're you're buying a service provided by WordPress through their like, hey, manage your domains or add a domain button. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really thin line. And somebody decided, hey, we're going to take this up because if we let you do it, we're going to have to let everyone do it. So they pulled Um, WordPress? They threatened to pull WordPress, but then Apple issued an apology. (laughs) Said, we're sorry. We believe the issue with your app has been resolved. Uh... But it appears that because that this is because WordPress removed the ability to purchase anything through the app. Oh, so WordPress complied basically with Apple. Right. right. So Apple still so doesn't make a, money off. It wasn't an apology no. so much as WordPress caved. So it's weird because um uh, I, you know, I have uh, my movies that I purchase. I purchase through Google, so I, it's Google Movies. I think is what the app's called on my phone. So I can buy the app. I can buy buy movies on my phone on my computer, but on my iPad, I can't. I can only watch them. So if there's a new movie that comes out and I want it, I have to go to another device and buy it, and then I can go back to the iPad and watch it. It's like what. Why are you doing this? Like, why are you making my experience on your iPad difficult? Because Google's not going to give you the money. They don't need to give you the money. But, yeah, they have their avenues of, of sale. And I don't know. I think that's, that's. I mean, Apple needs to make money, and I get that. But I don't, I don't but know. But here's the, here's the weird question. It's like, if I, if I run a business and I have an app that lets you pay your invoices through the app... Does that mean like now I have well, to give Apple a thirty well, percent cut? So are you saying like DoorDash? Do they give Apple a thirty percent cut because when somebody orders DoorDash through an iPhone, they get a percentage? That's what it sounds like. I don't know, but I don't. I don't know either. And and they seem to be trying to blur the lines because. It was realized after Apple made this announcement that they have complied, that WordPress complied, somebody looked at it and said, like, hey, my app hasn't updated in weeks. There's just there wasn't a payment option there. Hmm. I don't know why they thought there was. That's weird. Was that the um, story? Spotify filed an antitrust complaint with the European Union because of the same issue. Uh, so if you buy Spotify Apple, through the app, you're getting 30% to the App Store instead of to Spotify. So what, I mean, playing devil's advocate here, what would what would a proposed solution be where Apple is able to stay in business, make money, when 
the argument has already been made that they greatly reduced the threshold for developers to sell things online by creating a that's channel. The ar- that's the whole argument. Yeah. Is that they, they act as a payment, as one of the payment gateway options. And since they are the easiest payment gateway to go through, uh, then you can use them if you wish. But if you don't want to use them, you don't have to. That's the whole argument. Oh, you're, you're saying that, that that's the solution developers want. So they, they still want Apple to be to host their apps on their, their store, sell through their store, but they don't want to have to pay them anything um, if, they, if they decide they don't want to pay them anything. Yes. Okay. I don't know. As a business owner, I, I, I have... I mean, I think I think there. I, I agree with you. I think there needs to be an option. If you, as a developer, say, "I'm not going to use you as my payment gateway," I, as Apple, should say, "Okay, there's a hosting fee. Then you have to pay us a thousand dollars a year to host your application, or whatever, you know, whatever amount that is." I, I could see that. I mean, if if it if it was a reasonable amount, I wouldn't. Yeah. Say no to that either. I think that, but it has to be a it has to be a reasonable amount. It has to account for the bandwidth used in hosting it. Well, what's re- and- so so we had we've had this discussion internally. Is like what's reasonable? Is it reasonable that we as a company make money, you know, off of the services we're offering because that's what we do? So you as the consumer might not think that's reasonable because you feel like you're paying more than what you're actually getting. But that's how companies work. Like you buy a two dollar. Right, but that's the the reason antitrust is structured the way it is, is so that that works in a way that profits both parties. And the reason that this is an issue right now is because there's only two parties, and they are conspiring together to maximize profits over the individuals. Mm. So I think antitrust I think that's it, the it should bi- be in place here. I think that's the biggest argument because the 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 out I feel Google always had because when you said two parties, I assume the other party you're referring to is Google, right? Alphabet, yes. Yeah, uh, Alphabet. I, I I think the out that Alphabet always had is that Google doesn't prohibit you from sideloading applications. So if you want to sideload an app on an Android device, you're more than welcome to do so. Not everybody knows how to do it. It's not straightforward. It's very easy, though. Actually, if you it, try to sideload an app straight off the web, it's it'll super, just ask you. If super you're simple. Sure. Yeah, I think I give them a pass. I think Apple needs to concede that they need to say, "Okay, you can sideload apps now," but we're we're not going to not charge the, people. The reason that Apple won't concede that is because they have positioned themselves as the secure. No, I get that phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that has bought them a lot of not just goodwill, but government contracts as well. The fact that their phones can't be sideloaded means that their phones can go into government buildings. Well, whereas let's be clear. I, it's not that they can't be. It's very. It's not as easy as doing it with Android. They make it hard. Yeah. They make it real hard. Yeah. Um, but... And so their position is, well, we can't allow sideloading. So my position is, if you can't allow sideloading, then you have to allow third-party payment gateways. Hmm. You you can't have it both ways. You can't say we don't allow sideloading, so you don't own your your own phone, and you have to use our payment gateway on any app that you ever install on the phone ever. That's a corporation taking advantage of a monopoly. Because hmm. if they weren't a monopoly... 
then they couldn't say that. And they would just get bumped off the market. Competition would would clearly dictate, hey, sorry guys, you're out of here. But because Apple and Microsoft and, and and Google have these monopolies, then they can set whatever arbitrary rules they want to, and their fee could be 80-90%. The reason it's not is because some lawyer did the math on which one would get them sued first and how much could they make before they got sued. Mm-hmm. But if they wanted to if they wanted to raise their rate to 90% tomorrow, they would send out a mass email that said change in terms of service, and then they would raise the rate a week later. And no one could do anything. And Epic is the first company that's big enough to actually sue Apple and stand the, the test of time in court to deal with it. No one else could. Do you think they'll win, though? <sighs> See, I, I, th- I think, I, I feel like it was a smart move on Epic's part because I, I think they strategically decided when they were going to do this and they kind of struck. Um, it was clearly warfare. Like, the, it wasn't just like a change in policy. It was absolutely warfare. Yeah. Because they had all fronts covered before they attacked, and then they released this barrage of anti-Apple media mm-hmm. that, yeah, just, it was it was a smart move. And to Epic, 30% is in the billions. But still, if 30% is in the billions, that means they're making 70% of billions. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. Right. So that's that's my uh, Apple hate story. <laughs> All right. You know what's coming up soon? What's coming up? The end of the show? We here? Hacktoberfest. It's August, September. I, I guess so. Coming up almost, soon. We're almost we're almost in September. Are you, are you going to try to participate this year? I am because Hacktoberfest sent out a pre-timber email said here's how you prepare for hacktoberfest here's how you issue a pull request how you find something that you can deal with how you engage the community so for the next month before hacktoberfest starts here's the material how to use git oh what (sighs) (laughs) you're not supposed to say that part out loud uh they they have a whole list on how to prepare for beginners how to how to prepare as a maintainer. So if you have something that you want to participate with, um, they also have event organizer information, which I don't remember seeing last year. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure if, they did. I'm pretty sure they did all this last year. So the event organizer thing is for holding, um, organizing virtual and in-person meetups to uh, pick a project to work on. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was a thing last year. Uh, they also have a guide on how to uh, how to participate as a company and why you would want to participate oh, as a company to pay for your employees to work on a Hacktoberfest project. I will take a look at that. So uh, a lot of good information about October here in early or late August, <laughs> early September. Yeah, yeah, it'll still be August when this releases, maybe. I've been turning these things around pretty quick, so. They right. suggest against doing that. They like quality over quantity. Uh, yeah, but you know what? They're they're just not going to get the quality. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> We've been doing this for 203 shows. 
the quality is where it's at. It doesn't get much better. We're doing good. Yeah. All right. But I think that's it. I think th- I think that's two episode two or three right there. We're done. Two hundred three is in the books. What do you say? We're done. Griffin? All right. This is this has been a long one. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks Patreons Thank for your support. As always, at some point I'll get back to OBS and I'll get the cooler slides back up. But for now, trust me, we got something in the works. I I'm excited about it. But did you we'll get, get those keychains sent out? I did not. Thank you for pointing that out. But I wasn't here. I, I, I told you last week I was leaving for Arizona. That's so true. That's I true. wasn't here. You have a fair I'll, excuse. I'll get them done. I need to go buy some envelopes to uh, to get them out. And uh, and if, if you're listening to this, if you're a Patreon, if you're outside the country, we have some additional parameters before we send you the the, the, the keychains. Basically, you've kind of got to stick with us a little longer than, I think, the two or three months uh, for the U.S. people. Basically, we just need you to cover the cost to send it to you. So I'll just make that determination as I'm going through the list. I, I noticed a few people were in Brazil. There was another a couple in Canada. Um, so I'll see how long you've been a Patreon and figure out you know if uh, if we can afford to send send you something. Well, so. you might have you might have missed the announcement, um, but Patreon has launched a fulfillment system for their rewards program. Are you for real? I am for real. I totally missed the announcement. I will look into that. Maybe we'll actually yeah. come up with some neat rewards. The only reason I haven't come up with better rewards is because I don't really feel like dealing with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible thing, but it's the truth. Uh, all right, that, that ends the episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's it. Episode two or three in the books. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep it ugly. ugly. Thanks for listening to the PHP Ugly podcast. If you would like to support PHP Ugly, check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash phpugly. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in the PHP Ugly Discord channel. Show notes and RSS feed can be found at phpugly.com. To catch the live stream, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash phpugly. You can also subscribe to the edited podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catcher of choice. A reading of five stars is always appreciated. And finally, thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at diegodev.com. Until next week, keep it ugly.